This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This show is sponsored by Empower Your Reality. Empower Your Reality is an online consciousness school that is designed to help you elevate the mind, raise your consciousness, your vibration, to attract and create the reality of what it is that you desire. On Empower, at Empower Your Reality, we have books, we have online classes, you can find the podcast here on there and other things that can help you elevate and truly learn the art and the science of creating the reality of what it is that you want to experience in your life. So for more information to check out all that we're up to and what we're doing, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. Now, back to the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to another episode here on The Mindful Experiment. As each week, I have the opportunity to share space with an individual to share their knowledge and wisdom on something that could help us elevate in the aspect of some, some aspect of our life. And in this week, I had an awesome time talking with Laura Doyle. Um, she is a relationship expert, best-selling author, and podcaster. I had a blast. We, we talked about a lot of different things, some things are the mistakes a lot of women make when it comes to communicating with males. Um, and and just, to, just to break out the gender thing, it can also be left brain, right brain, which I talk a lot about in the podcast. But 
to break down who Laura is. She was the perfect wife until she got married. When she told her husband how to be tidier, more romantic, and more ambitious, he avoided her. So she dragged him to marriage counseling and nearly divorced him. In desperation, she asked happily married women for their secrets, and that's when she got her miracle. The man who had wooed her returned. Laura's books have been translated into 19 languages in 30 countries and accidentally started a worldwide movement. Laura's mission is to end world divorce. She is the founder of International Relationship Coach Training School, Laura Doyle Connect, the star of Empowered Wives on Amazon Prime, the creator of the Ridiculous Happy Wife Program, and the host of the Empowered Wife Podcast. And she has appeared on today's show, Good Morning America, and The View. She has helped over 15,000 women fix their relationships, even the hopeless ones, without their husband's effort. But the thing that Laura is most proud of is her gratifying 31-year marriage with her hilarious husband, John, who has been dressing himself since before she was born. It's an amazing uh, episode here to where she shares her wealth of knowledge. And like she said here, it's, it's without even having the husband's effort and how to focus on the woman. And we talked a lot about her book, um, her first book, and we talked about, and, and so much more to dive in. I really enjoyed it. I shared some personal stories of my own relationship, and I think you'll find a lot of value in this and so much more. So without any further ado, here is Laura Doyle. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Victor. It's great to be here. I'm always excited to have a guest on who's a, a relationship expert, an expert in relationships or any, something along that, that area, because that's something I'm always trying to strive to get better at. And so when I saw you come across and I've done my due diligence on research, I was like, yes, this could be a good convo. So uh, appreciate having you on. And I'm excited for the listeners to enjoy with the time that we're going to have here in just a little bit. Yeah, I'm excited to um, be able to share some of the crazy things I've learned about relationships that seem so counterintuitive, uh, but have turned out to be true for so many thousands of students. Love this. So before we begin, as my listeners always know, I always like to ask the question just to kind of get a background story of how did you get into doing what you're doing now? Uh, in your, and what's that, what was that journey like? Yeah, it was, um, it came from a place of just total brokenness and pain uh, in my own relationship. I, I married this guy that I thought was so smart and handsome and wonderful and funny and musical. And then just a few years in, um, I just was really upset because he wasn't making enough money. He wasn't helping me clean up. He wasn't very romantic. And I thought, oh, I really, I married the wrong man here. So I dragged him to marriage counseling so that the counselor could fix him. And then I would finally be happy because that's how it works. I'm pretty sure. Um, but of course that didn't work as, as we, I mean, I'm in the future now too. So now I know that, but um, I was uh, sitting on the counselor's gray couch when I realized like, okay, he's never going to change. I'm either going to spend the rest of my life in a loveless marriage or else um, I'm going to have to get divorced. So I decided to go ahead and get divorced. There was just one problem. And that is that I was too embarrassed to get divorced. Uh, people had been to the wedding, just not that many years before. So I, I thought, okay, as a last ditch effort, I'm going to ask women who have been married for at least 15 years and they seem happy. I'm going to ask them for their secrets. And they told me some things. I thought they were going to say, you have to marry the right person, but they didn't say that. Um, they told me some things and I thought, okay, I'm just going to experiment with what they're saying. Cause what have I got to lose at this point? And then like, if something works, I'll keep it. If it doesn't, I'll throw it out. So I had been doing that for not, not very long, not terribly long. And, you know, at my house, we had just been having wall to wall hostility 
or else cold wars where there was no speaking for days. And I just remember I started experimenting with their suggestions. And um, one day I came through the door and my husband's face lit up. He was happy to see me again. And that had been gone. So I thought, okay, something's working here. And and then I thought, okay, so now I, I have some ideas of what to do. It's totally different than what I saw mom do. But you know what? My parents are divorced. So I was following a failed recipe. And um, so I got this new recipe. And I thought, okay, I just have to follow this recipe. But you know what, Victor? I, I couldn't actually do it. I knew what to do. And then I couldn't do it. So I found us back in the car having those one of those fights, you know, driving down the freeway, like screaming horrible things at each other things that I'd be embarrassed. Like if somebody ever like got the tapes or something and played them. So um, I got this idea like, okay, you know what? I've got to get some other, other women to do this with me. And then maybe that'll, you know, like if you have a little club, like a running club or something, then you can do things. And so I did, I got like uh, four of my friends that were unhappy in their marriages in my living room. And we just started meeting and um, we started seeing miracles in all of our marriages. Like uh, one woman, her husband won the sales contest at work, took her on the most romantic getaway of their lives. Another woman came she's like, I just can't believe this. My husband finally painted the family room. We've been arguing about that for months and he just got up and did it today, you know, just to make me happy. So we knew we were onto something. And one of the women said, oh, why don't we, um, can you write down what we're doing? Because my cousin in Florida wants to know how she can do it too. And so I did, I, I was like, sure, I'll write it down. And that ended up being my first book, which, um, you know, Dateline did an investigative piece on it and stuff. And anyway, it, it debuted at number one on Amazon after the Dateline investigation piece. Yeah. And then it was published in 19 languages in 30 countries. And it started this worldwide movement all because um, I just was too embarrassed to get divorced. Very interesting story. I like that. But you took it to still give kudos to because you were like, you could have went that route. And then you're like, no, I'm going to seek elsewhere. There's got to be something else. And through that process, here you go. You write a book. I think I believe it's a book called The Empowered Wife, correct? That's that's my latest book, okay. uh, The Empowered Wife. Right. And, and this, <laughs> was, this was actually 20 years. This is the 20 year anniversary of that. that my first book which I could tell you what it's called, but then I would have to kill you because it's, <laughs> it's kind of controversial. So, and people don't know what I mean by it, uh, but all right. Okay. Should I tell you what it's called? The first I guess time? so. I mean, it's, okay. it's a book you wrote 20 years ago. I mean, you're not the same person 20 years ago from now, right? Well, to a certain I still, degree. I still, I still, I'll always love my first book, but, um, and, and many other people do too, right? It's a, it's a, continues to be a, 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 a you know, a very popular book, but, uh, but it was misunderstood because I called it, I was in my own little world. It's called the surrendered wife. Ah, I can can see, see, right. People, people people take that. A lot of people don't like that word surrender. It's actually a very powerful practice, but they think of it in a, obviously in the other way. That's right. So they heard a subservient or obedient wife. And it's actually all it is. I mean, surrendering, we all have to do it every day, right? You could be stuck in traffic, and you might wish the traffic would move, but you can't make it move. So you could listen to music. You could listen to Victor's podcast, of course. Uh, you could talk to a friend, right? Anything to uh, to become grateful for the situation you're in instead of just fretting and trying to control things that are beyond your control. So a surrendered wife knows she can't change anyone besides herself. So she doesn't try. She won't tell her husband uh, what to wear, what to do at work, or what he should have for lunch. 
Instead, she focuses on her own happiness and that in turn improves the intimacy and also empowers her. And that's the empowered wife. I love that. That's very, that's very um, true in a lot of ways. Cause a lot of times, and I'm not saying women do this naturally, but sometimes I've heard stories um, where they, the, the man, always, the male, and I should say male, cause I don't like to make it gender based, but it's, it's more in my world in chiropractic and neurology, it's there's left brain dominant individuals and right brain dominant. And um, this is all determined at the age of two, but most of the time, 80 ish percent of the time, a left brain dominant individual is going to be a male in that realm. Uh, their biological sex will be that. The, the right brain is most of the time going to be a female, but there can be opposite roles too to that. And with that, that kind of tailors into the role of, you know, a, ma- a left brain dominant or male, I'll just use most of the time male here, um, will be an individual who's like, I just want my woman to, you know, be herself and that's it. Don't need to change. She can do what she likes. And then the opposite's true because they're like, no, I want to change them in some way, shape or form. Would you say the book is very similar to that? Like, I'm not trying to change you. I want to respect who you are and who you, the, 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 the real nature of the aspects of who you are. Does that kind of relate to that? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's the other piece that was really fascinating to me is, uh, so I'm a, I'm, you know, well-educated and smart and I was feminist and I knew my opinion counted. And, and so one of the mistakes that I made early on was just, uh, thinking that I could be like devil's advocate for my husband when he was like trying on a new idea or whatever, or I could say, have you thought about this? Or what if, what if this happens? And um, maybe you should do that. And I had no idea that that was just like one of the most annoying things I could have probably possibly been doing because part of what, um, you know, what my husband wants from me is um, to be respected and I'm, I mean, uh, you know, I'll just ask you, Victor, like how important is it to you that your wife respects you? Uh, massively. It's huge. It's huge. Okay. So, and I, pre- and so I always call, I always say, you know, the best aphrodisiac on the planet for men is free and it works fast and it's respect. Right. So, so one of the things I was doing was really, uh, I was a controlling shrew. I'm not proud to say. So I was telling him like, how he could, uh, in fact, one of the really sad things that I did, I have so many embarrassing stories here, but one of them was that um, I thought he should be making more money. So I started out just saying like, Hey, why don't you see if you can get a raise or why don't you see if you can get a better job? Or, and of course what he heard is you don't make enough money. And I think I eventually did say like, listen, you're not making enough money. You need to be more ambitious. And um, uh, so I'm such a good manifester that he's not making any money at all. That's just like how good I am at manifesting what I'm focusing on. Right. But it's, it's not just me. It's all of us. So I realized, Oh, like I have this wrong, I have a backwards, um, I call it a spouse fulfilling prophecy. Now, this is one of the things that we, we, uh, teach on our campus is how to create the a powerful spouse fulfilling prophecy. So I thought, well, this is not the experience I want to be having. I was so, I was like seething with resentment at this point, because I was the only person making money. And so I decided to start saying, and this, it felt true-ish, was you've always been a good provider. And then just for fun, I started saying, um, and I started calling him Mr. Moneybags, right? And you're Mr. Moneybags. And so um, around that time, he started his own company, um, he's a video guy. So he started his own uh, video company and he was more successful with that than he had been at any job that he'd had previous and he liked it more. So I was having this different experience. Like he was making more money, but not because I told him to make more money. It was because I was respectful and expecting the best, trusting him um, and speaking that into him and finding evidence 
for it because no one's all black or white, right? Like I might say like, you're not making enough money. It's like, yeah, I'm not really grateful for what he was contributing. And I, I got more grateful after it stopped, you know? So, um, so I just find that there's a lot of things that I had influence over that I had no concept. And I was feeling like I was, uh, like a victim really in my marriage. And of course, uh, nobody wants to be a victim. It's not a fun place to live. So it was really exciting when I started finding those places where I had power and then using it wisely. I love that. So we talked about how the big thing that a man, a male would like is respect. What is the one thing that women look for? Well, you know, um, I think one of the most important things um, for me, and I find for most of my students too, is that we want to feel um, desired and we also want to feel adored and we want to feel special. And um, and we feel all those things, right? When we're first falling in love, uh, I, all those things are there. And then an interesting thing happens, I think as, like I know for me, as I brought this um, element of control uh, and, and also unwitting disrespect, really just did not know what respect looks like at the time. And I find this is true with most of my students too. Like a lot of us have grown up knowing like, oh yeah, men need respect or, or, you know, even like in your faith or something, it might say, you know, women respect your husband. And then we just didn't know what that meant. Like we thought like, I was like, oh, I am respectful except for the way he dresses and the way he drives and right. Like that's not respectful. Okay. So, um, so once I figured that out and I was able to bring that back, the adored and desired uh, and special came roaring back. And I think it's kind of hinges on this, which is, in fact, I'll just ask you, Victor, like how important is it to you uh, that your wife is happy? Oh, it's, it's, it's massive. It's massive. Okay. Massive. So, and I've asked thousands of men uh, that same question and they all say the same thing. Like you just did massive or they'll say it's the most important thing. Yeah. It's everything. Okay. So you're, yeah, it's most important. I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. It's, it's it, when she's not happy, I'm not happy. And when she's happy, I'm happy. It's like, I want to make sure that no matter what she is happy and, you know, just all, all, all around the, all around the board on that. I love that. I mean, to me, this is one of the things that make men just so amazing and wonderful, uh, because, uh, because they, and most women will say a lot of women who are feeling like they're not getting adored and they don't feel desired. They'll go, my husband doesn't care about my happiness. And it's like, really, is he so different than, you know, like in the UK, I would ask and they'd say, it's imperative that my wife is happy. So, and, and what has happened is if the respect piece is missing, well, yeah, he's going to have to shore up his own ego first, right? There's going to have to be like some defensiveness that takes precedent over making her happy. So once I show women like how they can trigger his hero gene again, how they can restore that respect and trigger his hero gene, all of a sudden she's like amazed, like, oh my gosh, he's doing, he's doing everything for me. He's like, he can't do enough to make me happy once that piece is in place. How much does like certain roles? Cause you know, like the, there's many books on this, on this, like the five love languages and things like that. Do those play a role in this kind of thing? Cause like, I know my wife and I will talk about this at times and I'm more of that action person who's going to give and you tell me you need, what do you need? I'm there. I'll do it. You know, whatever I have to do, I'm more on that aspect. And sometimes you'll look at me and go, that's not my love tank. Like, thank you. But that's not important. That's important, but it's not important to me to fill me up. Does that play a role at all? And do you notice it and things like that? Um, well, I guess I would just say if you, your wife was my student, 
that um, I think one of the things, uh, you know, for me, the love language is it just wasn't enough. And part of the reason is because it is a little focused on the other person, right? Like, oh, my love language is this. So you should be doing, you know, words of uh, whatever it is. I forget what they all are, but anyway, affirmation yeah, or something. Affirmation, yeah. right? And and I mean the, the other part is now that I know what really does make a marriage um, wonderful and intimate and passionate and playful, I I want all the love languages. I don't see why I should have to just pick one, right? I want to get them all. So so and for but for me, everything that was pointing back at my husband, like you know, my diag, we got a diagnosis for his mental illness, and you know, and I got a diagnosis for depression stuff, and like all that was just kind of a distraction from the one thing that I could control, which is how I showed up and which kind of leads me to, um, so like one of the, one of the practices we do that I think is so powerful is so a woman will come and say, kind of, kind of like this uh, spouse fulfilling prophecy that we're talking about, but she'll be like, you know, my husband's never home. He's just never home and he never helps out with the kids and he doesn't pay attention to me. And she's got like this list of complaints, but then we, um, I'll ask her like, well, you know, why did you marry him? Like, what did you see in him? What did you like? Right. And have her make a list. And and it's funny how it's almost like you want to cling. I did too. Like, no, my truth is that I'm miserable and it's because of him. Right. It's kind of almost hard to get to let go of it. Like this is my uh, precious family heirloom here that I'm holding on to. <laughs> I don't know why, but once you can bust through that and be like, well, you know, he does he does make my coffee every morning or, you know, he does work hard to support the family. Uh, once you can focus on like, you know, and I suggest like at least three things a day and you say them to him and he goes from being like this guy that's just not doing enough or he's doing the wrong love language, right. To being like, oh my gosh, you know, he, he really does a lot uh, to make my life wonderful. And then, so, and, and that's the most powerful of the six intimacy skills actually is gratitude because uh, it does double duty because it not only changes your perspective, right? You're putting on your new perspectacles, your gratitude perspectacles. Uh, so it changes the experience you're having, but it also improves the way he responds to you because people love to do things for grateful people. So, you know, I remember one husband was like, yeah, I fixed the cabinet for my wife and she was so appreciative. I thought, what else can I break around here? I love that. You know, in gratitude, like another thing too, is like, I know that appreciation is huge uh, for, 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 for males on that level. And so when you're given that sense of gratitude, it's also fulfilling in that level too. We're like, okay, yeah. I, and I love how you said it. People like to do things that people are grateful for. It's so true. Cause you know, I do a ton um, and my wife will vouch to that, that I, you know, it, you know, there's a ton of things I take on and she's like, do you ever just like, can you just sit down for a minute? And it's like, no, I got, the, we got things to do. You know, you want, there's a certain way we live. You, you I, and it's my, I always say like, this is a certain way you want to live. She goes, why do you always say it's about me? I said, because I'm, I'm serving to you. I want to make sure that you have a lifestyle that you enjoy. Yeah. I have my own lifestyle and levels of what I care about, but for, we have different, we have different values, right? Mine is I'm more, she always says it. She's like, you're very simple. Like you can eat the same thing every day. You can do this. you like, you don't really, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. She's like, I like, I like variability. I'm like, that's what makes us different and makes us unique and great for each other. Cause I'm simple. She is simple too. I'm not saying she's not, but it's just from a, uh, using that as an example, like a, a variety, she has to need variety where I don't need to have variety per se. Yeah. You sound like a wonderful husband. I, <laughs> I try tell. to be, I I'm not tell. perfect, yeah. but I, I try to be, yeah. I, I strive yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so I mean, it, it, when, it, when we look at this, though, it's one of those things where it sounds like, you know, in the relationships and the stuff, stuff that you did, it was really, you know, we get caught up in the society of we always want to blame the other. And one thing I love about my wife, and I appreciate she never talks negative about me ever. Um, and I don't talk oh. negative about her, at least uh, to other people. <laughs> I mean, we, we, yeah. we get in arguments, we're human, we do those sure. things, you sure. know, like anybody else. Um, but then there, there comes a point that, cause she, she doesn't, she doesn't agree with that. Like, why are you talking to your friends negative about your husband or your spouse or whatever? Cause all you're doing is building and fueling that fire. And it's only going to create more matters worse. She's like, I don't see a purpose in that. And I was always mm. like, ah, I love hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a form of respect that she's only speaking well of you when she's with other people. Although I will say that I, I think as women, like we just have all these words in us, right? They did a study at the University of Toronto, and I'm glad you're sitting down as I tell you this, because they found out in this study that women are more emotional than men. Oh, yeah. So there's there's money well spent, right? Like yeah. on, on, on research. And I do think we just have like all these words. And so for me, one of the critical ingredients of a happy marriage is actually uh, as a wife is that I've got like, you know, three best friends and two sisters that I can talk to, like on a day when I'm out of sorts, right? It can take that many people to put me back together. And it's not necessarily that I'm going to complain about my husband, but like, I just remember one time he, uh, he had just polished his shoes and he walked across the brand new rug and just like, yeah, it was ruined <laughs> and he felt terrible about it. So I don't want to talk to him about it anymore because he already feels bad. Right. But I still needed to like go, Oh, you know, to my sister, like, Oh my God, the rug, it was such a pretty rug, you know, now it's ruined. So sometimes there is that, um, you know, and then I'm preserving the connection with him. And so, and so that I am, you know, in, he still like wants to hold my hand and he's, you know, he's still, uh, wants to hug and kiss me or, you know, just like have a deep conversation with me. Whereas if I was still like, you know, Oh, the rug, the rug, the rug, um, that could have really put a damper on that could have really cost me, uh, intimacy and connection in my relationship, which I'm just like, it's too high a price these days. I'm not, I don't want to pay it. So true. And it's, it's one of those things that, you know, cause I know I, I still do stuff and she'll look at me like, seriously, like, you know, you, how, how did you do that? You know, better. And I'm like, Hey, I was, I was not, not thinking straight today. I go, I totally apologize. And then she knows not to, you know, and the, we learn as you evolve, right. Not like everything was perfect. Everyone, sometimes when I talk about my marriage, I'm always like, it wasn't perfect in the beginning. No, it was not, you know, great, but we, we, I would say, I always tell, I tell her all this all the time. And I say, I share this a lot too. Our business, cause we have a business together. Um, we work together in the business. I said, our business helped magnify our relationship or expand our, our relationship with one another, because in the business, you have to communicate. You have no choice. You have to communicate on things That's and you true. have to get things addressed in some way, shape or form. And we've been working on this business together for six years. And it's one of the things where I look at her now and I go, I am so grateful for the business because look what it has done for us in our marriage, how we communicate. You know, we, we have good communication for the most part. Um, you know, we're not perfect, uh, but it's one of the things where we will get to the point of addressing something. Uh, we'll make sure that we understood each other, listen to each other, make sure we're both heard. And then, and I know it's more important for a woman than a male because males want to be heard a little bit, but women want to be fully heard. It's getting that left brain, right brain thing, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> which is very fascinating. In going through that type of process, <clears throat> one thing that I will—I'm curious to ask—and and it's a question I—I I, I think you have a great answer to. Um, sometimes males will complain. Actually, I—I I, I hear this quite often, and I've heard this. This is—I heard this before I was married, where you know, 
having a, a passionate relationship, sex per se, or just intimacy in general. Um, yeah, when you're dating, yeah, it's great. But when you get married, it's going downhill. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, I know that's not true, but why is that? Why does that happen? And what can what can in in the relationship be able to change that so they don't follow that theme? Because I hear a lot of males complain about that, and I'm always sitting there going, "Well, what are you doing to make that happen? Like, what what well, you know, you play a part in this." Uh, kind of curious to ask that question. Well, I think I think one aspect of it. This is going to seem uh, like it's not a direct hit on your question, but for me, it really was, which is uh, a lot of us were not trained. uh, Women are not trained to, uh, I call it expressing your desires in a way that inspires. And so what I used to do was complain about things. And I thought I was expressing my desires, but I really wasn't. And so I would say, for example, this kitchen, you know, I'd say, John, this kitchen is a disaster. And I thought he was going to like jump off the couch and then start cleaning the kitchen. And that never happened. You're laughing. Yeah, because it's, of course, that never happened. That's not how it works. In fact, I have a theory that men can't actually even hear us when we're complaining. Maybe no one can hear you when you're complaining, right? It just sounds like, John, you know, blah, 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 or whatever. And um, so what I didn't know, and uh, (laughs) an embarrassing example of it, which is uh, when we were uh, still dating, my husband and I. Um, he took me to Hawaii on a vacation, romantic getaway. And so we got, I was excited. I thought, oh boy, we're going to go to the beach on the first day. But instead of saying what I wanted, I said, Hey, um, what do you you think we should do? You know, what do you, what do you think we should do today? And he goes, I think we should go see a volcano. I'm laughing because I'm like a volcano, like, like that just, I had no interest in that, but it was like, it's my boyfriend. I want to be close. So I'm just, I'm just going to suck it up and go see the volcano. Right. And so we're, we're driving and you don't see a volcano for a long time. It's just uh, little molten rocks on the side of the road. And I started to get upset because I'm like, I want to go to the beach, you know? And then he realizes something's wrong. So he goes, is something wrong? And I'm like, do you think this would be fun? Because I don't think it's stupid. You would ask me what I wanted to do, but I wanted to go to the beach, you know? So he saw a volcano. All right. Poor guy. All he knew is he took his girlfriend to Hawaii, right? So I feel so sad for that earlier version of myself. She had no idea how to express her desires. And do you know, after that, after I behaved so badly, he took me to the beach because he knew what I wanted at that point. And he just wanted me to be happy. So, um, but this, it took me sadly, you know, like another seven, eight, nine years to figure out how to express my desires. So, but I remember when I figured it out, finally, one day I just said, "Um, John, I would love a clean kitchen. I, maybe I didn't even say John beforehand. I just said, I would love a clean kitchen. So it wasn't about him. It's just something I would love. And he was immediately like, okay, I'll clean it. Like he saw his way to make me happy and he seized on it. And he's been doing the dishes ever since that's been over 20 years now. I never do the dishes because he knows that makes me happy. Like the sink will be all clean. And I'm like, look at this clean sink. I love this. I'm so happy. And he just, he loves, he loves that. I love it. So, um, you know, I, when you talk about the passion kind of going away after marriage, I think this is one of those factors. Like we, I'll, I was complaining. He wasn't doing what I wanted because he didn't know what I wanted. That made me resentful. I wasn't very attractive when I was resentful. Uh, he actually didn't want to make love to me. He, I, I would even go and put my hands on my hips and say, the average couple has sex two and a half times per week. And we haven't done it in like three weeks. So I think we should do it. And he, I thought, again, he would jump up off the couch and, 
you know, grab me and just sweep me off my feet into the bedroom. And that just never happened. So that, that was just, that's just one of many factors, but, um, and then also he was not that attractive to me either because I started acting like his mother and telling him what he should do. And, uh, women are not sexually attracted to their sons and sons, you know, men are not sexually attracted to their mothers. So you can kind of lose that whole, um, spark of that was happening in the beginning when everything was so passionate. Very interesting. So then the solution is to that is how do them, do we take that? I love that whole analogy too, because it's so true. Like women, you know, it's one thing again, left brain, right brain, you heard me say this a lot. Cause I, I don't, when I learned this stuff and then one of my mentors was sharing this in a relationship aspect. And he says, from a neurological perspective, men and women should not get along. They just should. They're total opposites. It just doesn't work. But somehow it does. He goes, I don't know how. He goes, but we make it work. But he goes, it shouldn't work because like expressing what you want, words, language, not the strong suit in a woman. Feeling, yes, you'll know what you feel, but the words never come out. So I joke with patients sometimes where I'm like, when I talk about left brain and right brain, they're like, what do you mean? What? How does this work? I'll be like, here's a simple thing. They're in a relationship. And I said, okay, great. You ever had a moment where you said something to your spouse and then all of a sudden he goes and turns back what you just said in the words that you use because our long, our left brain is logic language. We can interpret that and we can memorize it and repeat it back. And then they look and go, you're not listening to me. And he'll be going, I literally just said what you just said to me. That's not what I meant though. And it's like, it goes back and forth because again, language is on the left side where emotion and, and, and feeling is on the right. Um, Anyway, I digress about that, but it's uh, one of the fun things that I, I enjoy in a relationship, but how then do you turn the boat? Is it just, how does a woman then be able to get to the point of expressing more uh, and learning how to express better, um, how they feel and to be in that way? Because like, I know I do this with my wife all the time where it comes, Hey, what do you want to do, honey? And I always want to know what she wants first. I, and she'll be like, yeah. what do you want? And I'm right. like, I don't, it's, it's not about me. What do you want right now? And then we'll, she'll, she'll tell me and I say, okay, great. Here's what I'm interested in. How do we make both work? And uh, so how, how do we, how, do, how does, uh, how does that turn around into helping that yeah. woman out? Well, uh, for me, what was really fascinating is that when, uh, for my marriage to get better, it was a matter of learning certain skills. So I always, I think it's, uh, there was no relationships 101 at my school. I don't know if there was one at your school either. Okay. So, which I think is hilarious. Like if you're going to get like even a driver's license, right? We're like, okay, you got to learn the rules of the road. You got to take a written test. You got to take a, a, you know, a behind the wheel test. And then, you know, after that, if you pass then you know, you get photo ID and you have to learn all these skills, but for marriage, we're like, oh, you're in love. <laughs> That's great. You know, ha have fun. And, um, and of course, so many relationships are falling apart because no, uh, and I do see, I love your uh, left brain, right brain because you kind of steer clear of the, um, the political correctness thing that I think uh, we feel a little bit now, which is um, it's almost as though you can't say men and women are different um, because it excludes, it excludes some people. And, and I get that. I can see why that's a problem. So, um, but I do see from having served, you know, uh, many thousands of students now over the last 20 years on my campus, that there are certain things that we have in common like this desire to feel desired, for example, uh, where it, it does make sense to sort of say uh, men are this way, women are this way, or at least to experiment with it, uh, to use it as a framework that you can start with. Um, so I, I just think it's really interesting that um, 
you know, when like you talk about how well, uh, left is the logic side, and and that's that's what I think we think of more as the male side as well, right? And women have I call it emotional brilliance, right? We're the ones that know. So we are really the keepers of the relationship. Also, I mean, um, you know, women kind of run the game really when it comes to relationships. Would you, as a married man, would you agree with that? One hundred percent. Okay, there was no hesitation there, right? No okay. hesitation. Mm-mm. So, and then, but the irony is, we don't feel like we're running the game because no one ever taught us. Like, if you got behind the wheel of a car without any training, um, someone just tossed you the keys and said, "Here you go. You're in love with this car, so just go for a spin." You would probably crash that car, right? And then you go, "This is dangerous. This is like I don't. I don't even want to drive a car anymore. It's too expensive. Like the consequences." So for me, it was just really gratifying and amazing to find out that they were just, there were just certain skills. I didn't learn them. My mom didn't know them. I don't even think my grandmothers knew them. I was kind of mad at first. Like, why didn't somebody tell me this? Like, oh, no one taught them either, right? They weren't maybe having the best relationships either. And I honestly can't think of anything that I think is more important than learning to love and to be loved in return. And which uh, options I have that are going to help me uh, not only feel loved, but also get what I want, maybe more than ever, really for me, more than ever before when I didn't know how to uh, honor my desires by expressing them in a way that inspires. There's a little formula. So it is, I guess, you know, I'd, I'd love to just go through it for the women who are listening if uh, if you think that would be valuable. So, so here's the formula for expressing your desires. And by the way, a caveat, this does not, this is not something you'd want to use um, if what you're wanting is affection or time, or you want his attention, because it just doesn't feel good to have to ask for that. Like, I want my husband to want to give me his affection and have deep conversations with me. So I can't, it just never felt. So for that, there's a different set of skills. That's, that's the irresistible magnet skills. But let me just uh, go through the expressing your desires in a way that inspires formula. So it goes like this. I like to say, I would love, or you could say, I would like, because love attracts love and like attracts like. I would love, and then it's the final outcome, just the final outcome, not the how, not how we should do it, right? So um, I remember one woman, I was like, and she was saying, same, like I had, I want my husband to make more money. Well, what would, you know, money's a means to an end. So what would you have if he made more money? And she's like, well, then I could buy myself things. And things are still pretty vague, right? So I'm like, well, what kinds of things would she go? So then she goes, well, I need new boots, right? And so we got down to where she said, I would love new boots. And so she just said that to her husband, I would love new boots. And he found, he's like, oh, we've got a tax return. You know, our tax returns came back. We we got a refund. Why don't you use that to buy the new boots? Uh, So if you just stick to that final outcome, then you are not uh, veering into control, right? Which is not going to inspire him. But just, but just, I remember another woman, uh, her marriage had really uh, was in, was in a crisis. They weren't speaking to each other at all. They were living in the same house, like awkward roommates. He would not speak to her. And he told her he was done. He wanted a divorce. And she started trying to, um, she she used all the other intimacy skills as well. Right. She was trying to restore respect and um, gratitude and the the other ones. And then she said at one point uh, that he was sitting watching TV and she just said, I would love a leg massage. And he just perked right up. He's like, did you want it now? And she realized, like, oh my God, this guy's going to give me a leg massage. And so he did, but he saw a direct way to be his wife's hero, to um, make her happy. And so he grabbed it. 
See, I love that. And then it works out. It just, everything will just gel together beautifully when you, when you have those kind of things. Yeah. Very cool. With, with relationships then, you know, one of the big things as a chiropractor, I always say, because uh, we work on communication between the brain and body all the time. And in my other studies, I've learned that communication is the thing of all things. And whenever there's an issue in anything in life, you can take this to any level of life. Um, communication always ends up being the one thing that um, if you don't have it great there, it's going to everything else just follow suit. Are there things that you teach or share um, to help? Because I, as I shared about left brain, right brain and all that, there's that communication barriers. Are there tips that you share that can help improve the communication in a marriage to help? And I know we're talking about one about expressing. Um, are there other things though too? So I love this question. I actually, we have about 20, I call them cheat phrases that are meant to um, give you kind of a default in a pinch, right? Maybe you're in a situation that feels kind of like you're triggered. And so you can kind of rely on these phrases. So, um, so I'll give you one of them. Uh, I shouldn't be telling you this because you're a husband, you know, what if your wife wants to experiment with these, right? But anyway, uh, so one of them is uh, for relinquishing inappropriate control. So one of the things I did was I inadvertently trained my husband to always check with me before he made a decision like, you know, starting a new business or buying a new phone plan or like, I don't know, getting dressed, right? I was very controlling, unfortunately. Uh, and it turns out control is always about fear. You're, you know, if you're not afraid that he's gonna, you know, that you're gonna have to wait longer or pay more or be lonely, then you don't have to try to control it. And so this uh, relinquishing the inappropriate control of my husband was really kind of an exercise in uh, choosing my faith and and kind of becoming becoming a better person in a way, right? Becoming my best Laura. Uh, I didn't really just want to be that controlling shrew anymore. I wanted to be somebody who was like, yeah, I trust you. So the cheap phrase I came up with to kind of undo that pattern I'd set up was um, whatever you think. So my husband would say like, um, do you think I should take the car in to have the brakes checked this week or, 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 you know, can I do it or next week? And I was like, oh yeah, he's taking the cars. He's taking care of us, those for us. So I was like, oh, whatever you think, you know, and inside I'm going, those are the brakes, buddy. Like, come on, that's an emergency. You got to, that's, you can't wait on brakes. You got to, right. But on the outside, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to choose my faith here, whatever you think. And then I remember uh, one of my students tells a story of, um, so she was, her marriage was in a crisis as well. They'd been separated, sleeping in separate beds for six months. And she was on the verge of getting a divorce. Uh, and it was her second marriage. And she got a hold of uh, one of my books and she read it and she saw for the first time, like, wow, maybe I do have some, some control here that I, you know, some power in my marriage. I didn't realize. So she decided to experiment with this phrase. So um, her husband uh, came up to her and said, okay, what do you want me to do with the cell phone plan? We got to pick a new cell phone plan. Uh, so what do you want me to do? And she said, oh, whatever you think. And he looked at her like, oh, right. Like, I'm going to fall for that one. Like, I know how this works. If I screw up, then you're going to yell. You know, if I don't do it your way, I'm going to get in trouble later. So he asked her again, no, come on, tell me what you want me to do. And she just looked at him. She goes, you know what, whatever you think. And she added, I trust you. So he went away and did the cell phone plan and she was afraid he was going to mess it up, but he didn't, he did fine. Right. He's a grown man, but she married. Uh, cause she thought he was smart. <laughs> and, um, that night he came to her and just said, you know what? You were so nice today. Cause he felt trusted, right. He felt respected and they ended up sleeping in the same bed and just tears were rolling down her cheeks. She still gets tears in her eyes now when she talks about how tragic it would have been 
to um, give up that relationship when he's the love of her life now. And that was um, about 20, almost 20 years ago that she had that. That was her first taste of using all the cheap phrases that we teach. I think just a simple phrase, how it can drastically change the whole dynamics of everything is, it's true. And, and sometimes it's nice to hear that when, you know, there's certain, like in my household, I run all the finances, I manage it, I do all that. And so sometimes I'll come to my wife just to in, involve her in a decision or have her understand what I'm kind of doing and have her walk her through. And it's nice when she's like, and it wasn't like this in the beginning. I always tell people, this is, it's this process to, to evolve together. But it was one of the things where now it's like when I'm saying, hey, I'm thinking about doing this for investments. I want to look at this and do this. You know, what, what's your thoughts? She goes, you got this. You know this better than me. So you you got this. It's, it's, this is it. Whatever you, whatever you think is best for us, I trust you. And Does I'm always like, melt you? oh, yeah, I'm sitting there going, cool. All right. You got my back. <laughs> or like something like I was in a I was doing some investing. I was learning. I've been training over the last couple of years, like just a short trade. I wanted to learn something new. I never, uh, you know, stocks. I want to understand them. And for like a couple of years, it just wasn't looking good. And she kept going, don't worry, it's going to bounce back. I know you, I know you'll be able to get it to bounce back. And for me, that's a pain body of mine that I have to deal with. And then she was like, it's going to come back. I know you will. And cause she's seen it over time where it had to go good. And then it goes bad, just like anything else. Anything. And, and then, but, but for her to be sitting there going, you got this and it's going to come back. I know you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll be able to, those are like the best words you can hear to a male that is just like, thanks hon. that for you to say that. I'm good now. I, I don't care what shows up because as long as I know you're there and you're saying, Hey, whatever shows up, it is what it is. Um, and it was just a little money I put to the side to said, if I lose it all, it doesn't matter. I'm learning in the process. Uh, that's like my school, I call it. Yeah. And, um, but she was always like there just kind of just referencing like in, in, in doing that. And just, and, then, and I always tell people again, this is not how we used to the, our, our, our history used to be totally the opposite of that. But over time we've evolved to where now it's kind of like that. Or if she wants to do something, I'm always like, honey, do it. Um, I don't know if that works for women too, but it's one of the things where she tells me something. I'm always like, what do you think about that? How does that make you feel? Those are kind of the questions I'll get to. Cause again, I want to appease her right brain a little bit. Um, and then it's just, you know, whatever she wants to jump and do, I'm always like, whatever you need on my end, I'm here to support you. You just let me know. So sweet. And then it's so interesting because I, I think relationships, um, you know, for sure, for me, it's, it's turned out to be the best mirror, right? My husband mirror kind of reflects what I bring. So if, if, um, so one of the things I love, like in that story, right, your wife doesn't have fear of financial insecurity. She's not bringing any control or, um, judgment, right. Or fear to that conversation. She trusts you. She knows you really well. So, um, I'm sure you're pretty smart. And, um, and this is, but this is the thing that I found out about you know, like if I had divorced my husband uh, and then went and got to, you know, the next nice, smart, handsome guy or whatever, I would have still been there. I would have been showing up with all the same um, fears and complaints and unresolved stuff that I, I had from before I even met my husband. It was just showing up um, with him in that relationship. So I, lo- I love in your story, it really just shows there is a lot of trust and there is, uh, she, she definitely sounds like she respects you, which, um, which feels really good. Uh, to a man, as you're saying. And I think if, uh, if more women just understood that, that like, even if your wife had said like, okay, well, I know you've got this plan with the stocks, but have you considered that like, there's going to be a lot of inflation now, now, right? And so maybe this is a good time to sell or something, right? It's like, it would be so, it would almost be like her saying, um, I mean, this sounds extreme. It's going to sound extreme, but like, I don't love you. It's kind of how I, I, okay. And so you're nodding your head. Is that, is that accurate for you that 
I mean, when you don't, when you don't trust love is trust. Right. And so I think that's how, that's how I view it. That's how my perspective yeah. is on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, it's just been fascinating to not only learn that about men, but then also just see how amazing they are, like how much they want to serve their wives, how much they want to delight us, uh, how much they, yeah, yeah, like that, that is their goal to be our heroes. Uh, and when you know how to trigger that hero gene, your whole experience of marriage changes. So it's pretty magical. I couldn't agree with you more there, especially when you trigger the hero gene. It's one of those things. That's what, you know, that uh, archetype that we have, not all males, but, you know, we have a similarity among us. And it's one of those things where if you can, if a woman can strike that game over in a good way, not in a bad way. No, like (laughs) you're hers, right? Totally. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. This was, this was very enlightening for me. I'm learning a lot of few things here uh, and so forth. And I know a lot of the listeners will too, but Laura, really quick, how can people get a hold of what you're up to your book or books and all that good stuff? We have something really fun right now and it's absolutely free. And, uh, but unfortunately it's just for the women. (laughs) So sorry, only the women listeners will benefit from this, but if the men could, I don't know, I guess you could send your wife to it and then you would stop getting nagged so much, right? Because that's part of what we teach too. But the uh, if you go to my website, which is lauradoyle.org, um, you'll get you can get the uh, adored wife roadmap there. So it just really lays out there's like six steps, and um, there's it also covers the top three mistakes that women uh, it seems like everyone's making in relationships. So like uh, especially about those things like trying to get his time and attention and affection. It kind of lays out the mistakes and what you can do instead. So I just want to invite everyone to uh, go and get the adored wife roadmap for free at lauradoyle.org. And for all the listeners, I will have that in the show notes for you guys to get connected to that. Um, Laura, it was a delight. Thank you for being on and, and, and sharing your wealth of knowledge with all the, the listeners here. Oh, thanks for having me, Victor. It's been fun. Awesome. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.